Welcome back to the People Analytics Podcast. Today, I have guest Evan Son with Recruiter.com. He is the CEO, and I'm excited to talk about just how much he has evolved and changed the company for to be a culture that is, uh, you know, supports growth and is just a great place to be for employees. So welcome, Evan. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your show. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. So uh, give me a little bit of background about your experience in the recruitment and HR space. So uh, I always joke around, I I am the newest person to the recruitment and HR space. Um, I'm the CEO of a company called Recruiter.com, but uh, everyone else in the company is far more experienced in uh, in actual talent acquisition than I am. Um, I'm, I'm I'm a technology guy, a platform guy. I've been involved in numerous different industries. Uh, mobile, security, business intelligence, payments, uh, and now talent acquisition. Um, I got involved about three years ago, uh, first as a consultant, and then I became chairman of the board in uh, May, uh, uh, in March of 2019, April 2019, and then I became CEO in uh, in June of 2020, right at the height of the uh, the pandemic. So pretty crazy. So that is a challenge. <laughs> so what has the past, you know, nearly two years been like for you? Uh, it has been uh, a lot of fun. Um, I think I, I it, it, you know, I was really looking to do something different, and this has certainly been there, um, really letting me exploit um, a uh, thirty-plus year history of high-growth companies, uh, management, uh, motivation, uh, talent development, uh, sales, product strategy. Um, really across the board. So, you know, my wife thinks I'm having a great time. So there you go. So I'm having a great time. <laughs> That's good to hear. So, you know, having a little bit different background, not being in the HR space your entire career, what kind of fresh perspectives did you bring to Recruiter? Yeah. So, you know, I think that before I got here, I really assumed that recruiting was like real estate. And that was like the correlation between, all right, you need a real estate agent. Let's go get a recruiter. Uh, they both get paid on success, so it's probably the same thing. Um, oh, you want to buy a condo in Naples, Florida? You're not going to use a real estate agent in New Jersey. You're going to go use a real estate agent in Naples, Florida. Uh, and what I've really learned and become appreciative of is that those two things cannot be more different um, the, for a variety of reasons. I think recruiting is far more like a lawyer than anything else. And you know, you might have an in-house counsel. Uh, but if you have an issue associated with a real estate transaction in California, you're not going to use your real estate agent or your real estate attorney in New Jersey to handle that. You're going to go get that right person at the right place at the right time. There's such a specialization in in uh, in talent and recruiting, far, far more excessive than in real estate. And I think it really mirrors more like, I would say, the, the legal practice uh, in, in that regard. Uh, and I think the notion of uh, of leveraging the right recruiter at the right place at the right time with the right skill set for the right duration, I think is something that's really going to reinvent the actual talent acquisition space. And uh, we're having a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. So coming into Recruiter.com as uh, CEO, what did you see that you thought, you know, like, oh, this could be more efficient? And how did you yeah, change that? Yeah. So the company really was a media company. Right. So before I got there, it really was a media provider. Um, 
running, uh, you know, four of the 10 largest LinkedIn groups. It has a monthly, uh, monthly, uh, monthly magazine, uh, two to three articles a day. Uh, companies like LinkedIn and Indeed actually paid us uh, to market their stuff to our audience. So we have three, I think like over 3 million social media touch points. So like we were a media company. And what I really wanted to do was to take that media backbone and really transform the, the company into a transactional software recurring revenue platform. So gee, not just providing information to recruiters and talent acquisition managers um, and hiring managers, but how do we how do we take this community and really, really capitalize on this community, capitalizing on the gig economy, um, capitalizing on all the things that are necessary to help uh, recruit talent faster and better and bring that to uh, uh, customers on a global basis? Mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned the gig economy too, because that has been growing, especially since COVID. Um, so how have you been leveraging you know, those uh, em- you know, self-employed workers? Yeah. So, um, you know, the bulk of our 30 plus thousand recruiters in our network right now are small freelance independent recruiters. Um, we have opportunities that range from, you know, 160 hours a month to 10 hours a week, uh, really across the board. And I think we have some really great opportunities for recruiters and talent acquisition professionals that have a full-time job during the day and want to do something different at night or leverage their skills to do screening of candidates, et cetera. And I think these all things sort of feed on each other. I think as an industry, if you're not capitalizing and tapping into the gig economy, you're certainly leaving off a very huge population of people. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I feel like, you know, COVID again has really pushed people to decide, do I want to work for someone else or do I want to take control of my situation and, and manage that? So it's, you know, really interesting, you know, to see that shift, um, you know, going back to the changes that that you made, um, you know, what in terms of branding did you see uh, that you said you mentioned it's more operates more like a, a lawyer. So in terms of branding, were there any changes that you had to make to present, you know, how the brand itself? Yeah, we well, we upgraded everything. You know, we yeah. upgraded the whole website. We upgraded our logo. We up really, we, I think we upgraded our colors, you know, really just upgraded everything, but really how we talk about the actual business itself. You know, we're here to help companies of all sizes recruit talent faster, uh, leveraging a network of a global network of, uh, of freelance and independent recruiters, as well as our own uh, uh, artificial intelligence powered software, giving us access to over 150 million profiles. Uh, just uh, our software is fantastic. And to combine these together, it becomes something very, very strong. You know, we recently added career communities also. I actually believe that there'll be a return to the niche career community. Um, Two of our career communities actually just won best of for 22, uh, one by the New York Post, one by another career site, looking at our, our Media Bistro platform, which is a media uh, niche, uh, a media career community, as well as our Scouted platform, which is really for post-college grads. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the power of niche, too. It's it's so, you, you know, you have passionate people about a topic and, you know, there's so much opportunity for engagement there. Yeah, uh, that's right. And and look, I think if you're hungry for talent, go where the talent is. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to go find where that talent is. Um, so yeah, no, it's uh, look, I, I think this is the golden age of talent acquisition, the golden age of recruiting. And we're excited to have the brand name Recruiter.com to be at the epicenter of all, of that entire conversation. Yeah. Could you expand on that? The, the golden age statement? Golden age? Sure. Uh, so, you know, if you look at the last, let's say, 
30, 40 years, you know, every industry had their moment in the sun. Um, you had your uh, your dot coms, your e coms, your we- uh, your web development. Let's move out now. You got your uh, you got your uh, your green folks, right? Um, you had your hedge funds. Uh, you had analysts at one point were killing it. You know, so every industry really had automotive industry, hardware, mobile te- uh, telephony, like every segment of the po- of of the of the market really had their oh my God, this is such a great time to be a fill in the blank. And I said this last year towards the end of the year, you know, this year will really be the year where, you know, talent acquisition really becomes uh, top of mind for everybody. And and not surprised that we're now seeing this giant surge of recruiting recruiters, giant surge of companies stocking up, if you will, on talent acquisition professionals. And it really is the golden age of recruiting. Mm-hmm. And so what has your relationship been with the great resignation that has been happening? Um, so uh, re- my relationship as in, am I friends with the great resignation or like, <laughs> why am I for it? Or am I against it? Like, I guess uh, recruiting's relationship. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think that, you know, what the great resignation is really about. So there, there are really three, let's call it, there are three, there are three trends happening today in the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them are episodic. And one is systemic, so the uh, the ta- the the tightness of the labor market, right? Three point nine percent unemployment, ten and a half million jobs open, quote unquote. You know, how do we get people back to work? Restaurants that can't open, hotels that aren't staffed, etc. Um, that's episodic, right? Eventually, we'll get these people back to work. Eventually, these things will actually happen, and we could talk about why, what some of the other trends are affecting that. I think the gig economy has really played into that. You know, I get asked all the time, well, if they're not working at a factory, where are they working? Well, they're driving DoorDash or they're driving for Uber, and that became their primary job. Uh, or, hey, you know what? There's been wage inflation. So instead of me working in two factories, one during the day and one at night and doing two shifts here, I'm only going to do one and I'll drive DoorDash on the weekends. So I, I think there are some of these factors that we're just not tracking. The second trend really is the great resignation. And we we called it like about two weeks before it actually before it actually hit the market, we actually saw it happening in our recruiter index. Um, this is really the bent up uh, voluntary turnover that happens naturally at companies. So the US has had historically a 22% or so, let's call it turnover, voluntary turnover. Uh, financial services was around 15%, retails around 80%, but on average it's around 22%. Uh, but there were a lot of people who did not leave during COVID. Um, and now why is it called the great resignation? Well, there are more people now leaving, right? So 4.5 million people quit in November of 21, a uh, much higher number than in 20, than November of 2019. Um, and so why that happened? It happened for a variety of reasons. You know, Lindsay moved to Florida. The company says, come back to New York. She says, no, uh, or I only want to work remote. Now the company wants me to work hybrid. I don't want to work it. I like being home with the family or, uh, I don't have childcare anymore and I, I can't do this during the day. I want to do something else. For, there are a myriad of reasons um, at the same, t- but I, I, that's probably going to slow up by the summer. Uh, but what it's going to replace with is what we call the job hopper economy. Okay. And I think that the job hopper economy is not episodic. It's systemic. This was happening before COVID where you, you go out to Silicon Valley and you would see a resume of someone and for 12 years, they worked at four companies and you didn't think that person was bad. You actually called that person a rock star. 
Yeah. Uh, Kevin O'Leary wrote an article two months ago begging employees, please stay at a company for 24 months, please. And this came because there was a survey that said 60% of all millennials had no problem leaving a job within six months. Okay. So, so now let's tie this all together. If, if, uh, if I could, if it's easy to apply for a job, because it's all online, I could click. If uh, there is a, uh, if I could work from anywhere or hire from anywhere, interviewing is now done over Zoom or other video uh, modality, and there's no longer any stigma in terms of leaving companies, guess what? We're going to have more people than ever picking up and leaving, picking up and leaving, picking up and leaving. And I think this job hopper economy is here to stay. The reality is if you look at the numbers, you know, there were 6.7 million people hired in November of 21. So not the 200,000 new jobs that were added, 6.7 million people were hired in November of 21. The average monthly hire in 2019 was 5.8 million. So there is a, there are a lot, a lot more people getting hired now. Uh, $3 billion more spent in November of 21 than November of 20 on hiring, just in hiring these people, you know, in hiring people. So uh, there is a lot of money that's going to be spent, a lot of money to be spent, and uh, it, it's going to be a very, very exciting and interesting 22 in the talent acquisition space. So you mentioned that you knew the great resignation was coming, you know, a few weeks before. Uh, could you explain about, you know, how, how where's you my crystal ball? Where's yeah, my crystal exactly. ball yeah. coming from? I, I want to see it. No. <laughs> yeah. so in, in, uh, in May of, of 20, we actually had this idea to survey our recruiters. We have all these recruiters. Let's go survey them and see their sentiment. Let's see what they're working on. You know, use them as sort of the air traffic controllers of the candidate industry. So what industries are they working on? How are they feeling about the market? Uh, what are the priorities of the candidates? What sort of jobs are they looking at? Are, they, are these new jobs they're trying to fill or, or backfill roles? And uh, we've been, you know, we, we've had... So we've been doing this every month and I think all but one month we were like dead on and really called like really interesting trends. And so the day we started tracking new, new jobs versus backfill. So a new job as in the company, this is a new role at the company or a backfill, someone quit and I have to uh, fill that role. And when we started to see, when we first started tracking, it was like 60, 40 new versus backfill. And then it was like 55, 45. And then one month it flipped. Wow. <laughs> and I said, okay, guys, this is, you know, th this is the great resignation is upon us. And I think two weeks later, they reported like 4.3 million people quit in, in August. I'm like, guys, you know, th there's the data. Like, what are you working on is going to tell you. And we saw industries come and go. Um, it's actually been really uh, fascinating. We saw wages. We talk about wages increasing. We're watching that really happen. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been a great index for us and I think for the market. Mm -hmm. So did you have to make any adjustments at recruiter.com, either positive, negative uh, to yeah, all the time, of course, correct, yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we were using this data like very, very early on. So really fascinating. One of the first things we noticed was, you know, you would expect, okay, a lot of jobs in healthcare. That's easy, right? Everyone's getting sick in your healthcare. But we saw mortgage jobs fly through the roof. Wow. So all of a sudden we're like, <laughs> Because everyone's now rates are low, let everyone's moving, right? Because they're moving oh, out of wherever to buy something. Yeah. So we we really landed some very very good clients in the mortgage space. So yeah, we we've been really able to leverage this like pretty well. It's been exciting. 
And I love how, you know, you use that data to kind of determine, um, you know, and put put piece things together too. Um, And so how has that really informed your strategy? Um, So we, uh, when we started to see a huge surge in recruiters, meaning the demand for recruiters is now like the highest I think it's ever been, you know, Um, we actually launched full-on products to help companies recruit recruiters on a full-time basis, not just on a gig basis. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing, uh, you know, try-buy programs and enterprise programs and really helping some of the largest companies in the recruiting and talent acquisition space re- recruit recruiters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. And we never would have done that if not, if we didn't actually see that data coming, right? We would have been too late. That's really awesome how you're able to jump ahead of that. Um, so I also want to talk about if you've heard the hidden resignation as a new term floating around, um, you know, the hidden resignation of employees feeling very burnt out during COVID, you know, not wanting to do their work uh, to its full extent, um, basically an underutilization, under engagement uh, issue. Have you heard that? No, but uh, it's certainly something to talk about, right? You know, so as a, you know, what we saw is really the growth of work-life balance as a priority for candidates, right? So, you know, I grew up in a world where you couldn't, there's no problem you couldn't solve with money. Um, Now it's like, gee, guess what? Money is less important than it was two years ago. Work-life balance, new experiences, et cetera. And uh, I think it's in, incumbent upon all anyone in the talent acquisition and effectiveness space to really help, really help their internal talent figure out how to do balance, how to do you know work life balance. You know, when I hear about work life balance and burnout, it's kind of weird, right? Because we we're commuting less, so one would expect um, one would expect that I don't have to deal with those problems, right? I'm not spending two hours in a car. But the reality is that we've we've become connected, you know, at all times a day. And, and I think that, you know, we have to train ourselves and really help people recognize that, you know, we're, we're slowly, slowly shifting away from a time-based society, right? You know, we started, you know, in a uh, farm-based society, uh, you know, you, you, whatever you had, whatever you grew, you made money on, and that we shifted to a... We shifted to the assembly line, you know, the factory where, hey, you clock in, you clock out, you clock in, you clock out. Um, and, and I think that, you know, we were really morphing, hopefully, uh, and, and doing more things that are more about, you know, what are you getting done, performance-based delivery. And I, I come from a sales role where that was always, you know, that was always part of it. You know, if I didn't hit my number, it's not like I could say, well, I worked a lot of hours last week. And by the way, you know, if I closed the deal, it doesn't matter whether it took me one hour or a hundred hours, who cares? Um, and, and by the way, going back to that legal, you know, actually going back more like medicine, we pay doctors not by the, the hour, we pay them for the work that they're getting done. And, and I think we already have these things in society today. Um, and hopefully that really changes it. You know, I, I was giving an example the other day, tongue in cheek, you know, not too long ago, if I got an email at 1130 at night, I would assume, oh my God, Lindsay's working so hard. She's burning the midnight oil. I'm getting an email from her. If I got an email from you at 1130 at night today, my assumption is that you took off the afternoon, you went out for dinner, you were doing family time, and now you're coming back online to check your emails. So I, there's nothing wrong with that, but I think the people that are getting burnt out are where companies are expecting everyone to reply, you know, with it 24-7, 
within five minutes. Like, and you got to turn things off. You got to, you got to create that structure where you allow people to, to do that. And it's not, again, you know, it's not about how much time you put in. It's got to be about, are you getting what you need to get done? That's it. Mm -hmm. And that mentality is what a lot of workers are looking for in a supervisor, in a leader. So, you know, going into recruiting within your own company, um, you know, what kind of things do you prioritize for your staff? Yeah. So, uh, A, it's one of our priorities. So, A, it's not it's not something that we think about. It's something we actually prioritize. Um our core priorities include, you know, revenue numbers, profitability numbers, uh, valuation numbers, and, you know, building an A-plus virtual culture. Like, it's there. We have metrics around it. Uh, we have a culture committee. Um, you know, we're making sure that we're doing things that, you know, give people the time necessary. We track that very, very seriously. We take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what has the result been? How has, uh, you know, employee engagement been? Uh good you know we have room to improve uh like everybody else you know um i think i think it's good but by the way you know one of the things that's really fascinating is that you know before companies had to balance the the values of their employees right i had to say gee this these five people want to work you know remote these five people want to only work in the audience i had to i had to balance everybody's requirements I think one of the things that's an opportunity today for employers is to focus. Hey, I'm only going to work with people who want to work remote. I only want to work with people who are going to come in the office. I only want these types of people. And I think there's something very refreshing. I don't have to be all things to all people. I'm going to focus on what I want. You know, I get a lot of questions about like JP Morgan Chase forcing people back to work. Are they bad? Right? They're bad. And Shopify, who says everyone could go remote, they're good. I'm like, not really. J.P. Morgan Chase decided what sort of company do they want to have, and they've decided that's going to cost them certain people who only want to work remote or hybrid, but they're okay with that. They've prioritized in-person work over other things. And by the way, there are people who want to work in an office, right? I think there was some statistic, you know, I think 40, 60% of people's friends come from work. Like there is a, there is this notion that work life is something important. But by the way, Shopify said, hey, I don't care. I want to be able to attract engineers from around the world. I don't want only people that are going to willing to move to Ottawa. Yeah, in order. yeah so, benefits. Yeah. So Everything. we get to make that choice. Now, what that means for the talent acquisition industry, again, of why this year is going to be really entering the golden age of talent acquisition is because now I'm not just asking a recruiter to go find me you know, 30 Java developers. I'm actually saying, go find me 30 job developers that are willing to work in the culture that I've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because I, I don't want to find a job developer who doesn't want to work in this environment just because he wants better pay, or the I I don't want that. I want to find the right person for this role given the culture that I have, and that's something that's a new dimension that we never had to deal with before. We just didn't have to deal with this before. So I, I certainly think these are all changes that are impacting the industry. Yeah, and I think for many workers, it's it's hard to, I think they can associate not a good fit with failure when it is not the case. Um, right. Everyone has different working styles, different values. So I, I really think that where we were so used to, you know, as you were talking before, you know, if you weren't a good fit, it was like such a failure. But now it's like, okay, well, when I find my fit, it's going to feel really good. <laughs> That's right. I, I agree. You know, I think the other thing, going back to this job hopper economy, 
is, you know, we're recommending to certain types of companies to embrace it. Hey, mm -hmm. look, you know, tell your employee, tell the candidate, hey, this is a 24 month project, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to pay you a ridiculous amount of money for the next 24 months. And when the project's over, you could stay with the company, you could go someplace else, but really like embrace, you know, embrace that concept. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it, it's the direction that workers are going. They want a, a diverse um, plate of work of different doing different things. And I feel like, you know, technology and all the different apps that we have have kind of created that like, oh, I want to explore this and I want to explore this. And so that's kind of like my vision of the contract worker is all these different like things to choose from and experiences. That's right. But by the way, you know, it used to be that it was a contract worker. Mm hmm. Why not work for a company full-time for two years and then work for another company full-time yeah. for two years and another company full-time for two years, right? So there was this stigma that said, gee, if I'm moving jobs every two years, I'm not going to look good. So let me be an independent contractor and then I'll, I'll have my own brand as an independent mm -hmm. consultant. And now it makes sense that I'm doing these projects. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> it's all how you look at it, really. That's right. So I'll give you, I'll give you a pictorial for it. Let me give you an image. Uh, five years ago, let's do five years ago. You saw a 30 year old's resume five years ago. They had been at the same company for 10 years. Let's not be Google or McKinsey or something, right? Five, what, 10 years, same job. You would describe them as loyal five years ago, committed, steadfast, climbing the ropes, right? Today, January 22, you see a resume of a 30 year old who's been at the same company for 10 years, not, not a Google or a Goldman Sachs or McKinsey. How would you describe them? I, you know, I think about all the possibilities to learn, to upskill and, you know, where yeah, are those? So, so you'd right. say, so risk averse. Yes. <laughs> not yeah. interested in trying new things. Mm -hmm. You might even go, what's wrong with this person that no <laughs> one wanted him? No one wanted this person. Nobody yeah. wanted this person. So the five years ago, and by the way, I'd probably say three years, but uh, you know, timing is weird. So three years ago, you were loyal and steadfast and committed. And three years later, you're risk averse. You're not interested in new things. So what's changed? What's changed is the availability of a candidate to the, the entire world. You know, I made this statement, like I think back in October, um, that everyone in this country is more valuable than they were two years earlier. Everyone. Everyone is now more valuable from the, from the, you know, the chief product officer to the engineer, to the dishwasher or the person willing to walk into a factory. Everyone is more valuable. And there are a variety of reasons. You're willing to walk into a factory. Oh my God, you can get more money. You're a great developer and engineer. You could now work wherever you want. So think about all the jobs that you could have had, but they were geographically undesirable. That just doesn't exist anymore. Can you imagine a company actually saying to you, hey, I really, really want you to work for us, but you have to move out to, you know, to Portland, Oregon for the next, it just, if they really want you, then come work for us, come in every other week, come in hybrid, whatever that model is. And I, I think there's just something incredible about it. And, and, you know, we also predict that in 22, the, uh, the, cre this work from anywhere construct which is very candidate focused, will actually morph into hire from anywhere, which is very company focused. Yeah. And it's right. just beneficial. I mean, there's more work competition and talent. That's right. You know, and so if I if I'm already allowing remote, 
I'm really allowing a hybrid. Why do I need you to work? Why do I only need you who lives in my area? Like you're in the New York area. Why would I want someone who's back office in the New York area when I can hire someone back office in someplace else, Salt Lake City? You know, mm-hmm. there are there, I have all these options now available. And by the way, why limit it to America? Exactly. Right? I don't know where you are right now. It doesn't matter to me. It has <laughs> no true. bearing on this conversation. You could be in Timbuktu and you could be across the street. We're still doing it through video. What's the yeah, difference? That's what matters. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible how, I mean, how quickly the world changed, but also how slow it took to get to the point that we should have been at a while. <laughs> yeah, you know, think about it. You know, three years ago, we were talking about the efficacy of working remotely, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I don't trust it. I don't allow it. You know, all these other things. So it's, uh, it's look, you know, there's the expression that COVID only, only expedited the things that are already happening anyway. And that's yeah. why when I look at like, Going back, you know, the the talent shortage, the great resignation, those were episodic events, right? Mm-hmm. The job hopper economy, this is systemic. This is absolutely systemic. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how do you create a culture that kind of, you know, there's that job hopper aspect, but you also want to retain top talent too. Uh, so how do you, you manage both at once? So what we're doing is we've gotten very, very proactive with uh, everyone in the company. So, you know, I don't want someone picking up the phone to figure out what their next step is. I want to tell them, here's what your next step is at the company. Okay. Right. So here's your progression plan through the year, mm-hmm. right? You stay with a year. Here's what's going to happen in July. Here's what's going to ha- And that's what we've done with just about everyone in the company. Yeah. And we've put in place you know, long-term, you know, retention, we're, we're putting in place all the things associated with it. We open the door for people to say, Hey, if you want to do something else in the company, let us know. Um, the other thing that we're doing is, uh, and I'm going to be taking this more seriously in the next like couple of months is what I call the 80% job, mm-hmm. right? In other words, creating roles that we expect it to be 80% of the time. So four, four day a week, however you want to dice it and slice it. Right. So I'm building in the work life balance that some people can't handle on their own, but I want to build that in. So, um, right. So the expectation is oh, no, you're only here 80% of the time. You got to be in on Mondays or Tuesdays, but like take off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, whatever you want to do, however that works, and creating roles that make sense for this sort of 80%, four fifths, whatever you want to call it, job. Yeah. And I feel like autonomy is something that workers desire so much. At least I've, I feel right. as a worker myself, as, as someone who has managed people, you know, that being able to have your independence within a job is so important. And I feel like it drives a lot of, you know, loyalty and to a company too. Uh, yeah, I agree. You know, and uh, that's, you know, part of why we're doing it is I think, I think there's a lot of people out there that are incredibly skilled that want to have a forced work-life balance. They don't want to have to be available 24-7. Yeah. They, and you know, if, you don't, if you're telling someone, look, this is an 80% job, guess what? If you're taking off Thursday, take off Thursday. Go, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're expected not to be in on Thursday. Like, don't worry about it. Or if you're only going to work Thursday half a day and Friday half a day, fine, go. Mm-hmm. Like, don't feel like you, you're strapped to your iPhone or Slack or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we'll do very well in certain roles where that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And have you received good feedback about that model? Internally, yeah. We have, you know, we're 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 still working through the kinks, like make sure it works. So, but I think it'll be interesting. 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're getting into the 30 minute mark uh, and I have, you know, one big question for you. What are you looking forward to in 2022? I am looking forward to really, really, really delivering on the uh, that our plans for 22 across the board. Um, I can't wait to achieve our revenue targets, our, our growth targets. Uh, I want to be an A-plus organization. You know, we, we want to make sure we're attracting and retaining great people. Um, that's that's it. You know, spend time with the family, make sure that I'm, you know, do, treating them as well. But that's really what, you know, th- those are really my, my goals for 22. You know, yeah. continue to be, uh, you know, uh, continue to build a great company, um, be a great uh, husband, father, what, whatever that is. Just, you know, continue to develop myself as an individual. Um, and really, uh, you know, be able to tack- tackle the the challenges that are ahead of us in the upcoming year. Yeah. And at the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned you're having fun. What What's fun about it? What, what are you enjoying? Um, I, I uh, you know, to quote, uh, to quote the A-team, uh, you know, I love it when a plan comes together, you know. So um, the strategies that we put in place, the things that we really thought about a year ago, two years ago, are really all coming to fruition, and it's uh, it's exciting to watch these things sort of play out. Um, and the reason is I have a great team. You know, uh, the team that surrounds me at Recruiter.com are just fantastic. And it's not just the management team; it's really top and bottom. It's it's just really a company of you know high performing uh, high performing people across the board. And there's just something exciting to be surrounded by. You know, just a great team of people. And I love hearing about, you know, organizations that have such that deep mutual respect. It's really great to hear. Um, so, Evan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, what's thank the you. best way for people to get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Uh, Evan at Recruiter.com. Can't, can't oh, be easier than that. So Evan, E-V-A-N at Recruiter.com. So welcome, uh, welcome the opportunity to continue the conversation uh, online and offline. Wonderful. And I'm Lindsay Patton, host of People Analytics Podcast. You can reach me at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. I love talking to people passionate about helping and other people reach their goals. Um, Feel free to reach out to me. And thank you again, Evan. You bet. Thanks a lot. Have a great day now. You too. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening.